Today's scripture reading comes to us from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 2, and 8 through 11, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Well, good afternoon. My name is Gene, and I'm one of the pastors here at Exilic. And again, I want to welcome you to our church today. We are continuing in our series on the Ten Commandments. And today we look to the Fourth Commandment, which says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And I think that this is one of those commandments that everyone knows they should try to keep, but it's not that big a deal if they don't. I and mean, we get the thou shall not murder. We, we get the thou shall not commit adultery or thou shall not steal. Those we should obey regularly now. But the fourth commandment, it is kind of like the posted speed limit or the flashing don't walk sign. We know why they're there, but who really follows it today? Well, I remember the first time I visited Los Angeles. I was a, a, a college student and... Um, without even thinking, I, I crossed the street I, without even looking at the light. I just saw no cars, so I just went. And, and you could see everyone on the curb kind of going, <gasps> and, and they, they were looking at me as, as though I were walking a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. They thought I was that crazy. And I looked back at them, and I thought, huh, people really do obey the, the street signs here. Um, so it, was, it, was very, it was a very strange experience. Because nobody ignores street signs better than New Yorkers, am I right? But unfortunately, nobody ignores the doctrine of the Sabbath like New Yorkers do. I remember when Aaron and I first got to seminary, we were shocked because uh, most of our professors and classmates, they took observing the Sabbath very seriously. They would prepare all their meals the day before, so that they would not have to work on the Lord's Day. Uh, they wouldn't go out to eat on Sundays because that would necessitate somebody else working on the Sabbath. And here's what their Sundays would look like. They would wake up in the morning, and they would go to morning service, and then they would spend their afternoons in Sunday school or studying the Bible, and they would return for evening service. Their entire day was given to the Lord. And we kind of looked at them like, wow, people really do observe the Sabbath. And my first thought, my initial thought was about what a sacrifice that was. Wow, church all day? <laughs> hmm. No, no Sunday football? No eating out? No, no homework? No, no studying on, the, on a Sunday? 
But then, as I got to know my classmates and my professors, I, I started to see that they really enjoyed God deeply and richly in a way that I didn't. There was a depth to their faith that my faith lacked. For them, Sundays was about resting, and not just resting from work or other worldly concerns, but resting in God. Now, I can already feel some of you in this room getting nervous right now, because New York City, the city that never sleeps, is probably the most overworked and restless city in the world. And the idea of not being able to work, even for one day, is terrifying to some of you. Well, don't worry. I think this sermon is not going to be about what's allowed and what's not allowed on a, on a Sunday. You know, Christians are very divided in terms of how exactly to observe the Lord's Day and what the fourth commandment looks like in our New Covenant, New Testament context today. Instead, I'm just going to focus on the principles of the Sabbath and why the practice of Sabbath is beneficial, it is much needed, and it is a beautiful thing for the church today. And I think that all of us can benefit from making Sabbath a more central part of our lives. We all need deep, true rest, like Pastor Aaron said. So we're going to focus on three questions today, just three. The first question is, what was the Sabbath? Second, how was it to be observed? And third, why was it so important? So first, what was the Sabbath? Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The word Sabbath, it literally means in the Hebrew, ceasing. But it's not just a ceasing from work, but it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And when we think of the fourth commandment, we often focus on going to church or work versus no work. But the commandment is centered on whose day it is. That's the most important part. Whose day is it? The whole day belongs to God. It's His. Throughout the Old Testament, when God refers to the Sabbath, He says, my Sabbath." He says this in Exodus 31, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. I remember when we first transitioned to two services, I was kind of polling different people and I asked this one church member, I asked her which service she planned on attending and she said, oh, the morning service. And I, and I asked, I followed up and I said, why the morning service? And she said, oh, um, it's because I like having the rest of my day free. And, and my response to that was, was that, that blinking guy meme. I like having the rest of my day free. And you know what? I, I don't judge her because if, if I'm being honest, I often feel the same way. You know, I'll, I'll go home from a long day at church and, and my first thought is, okay, now I can have the rest of my day. I can have. It's mine. And I think that's true for many of us. I know some in this room, you wake up on Sunday morning, you go straight to the office, you take a break, you go to church for an hour, and then it's right back to the office. And I'm not saying you can't do this, but perhaps you should consider 
what the value of Sabbath rest is and what it would do for you to make Sabbath rest a more important part of your life. The Bible says that the entire day is His. And if we're being honest, truth be told, every day belongs to God. All of our time belongs to God, but in His mercy, He specifically requires only one day out of seven to be set aside for Him. But because we're sinners by nature, life is this perpetual tug of war with God. Mine. We don't want to share. I did this experiment with my two-year-old son, Caleb, this week. I laid out seven M&Ms on the table. And he looks at them and he says, can I have some? And I say, sure. And I slide six of them over to him. And he takes all six and he shoves them into his mouth and he says, can I have some? And I think that's kind of what we do with God. Where God gives us six days to work and to live our lives. And he asks that we set aside one for him. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Holy means set apart. Not intended for ordinary use. Belonging to another. When when Anna and Suman were baptized just now, this is plain old New York City tap water that was used, but it was holy because it was set aside for the purpose of the sacrament of baptism. Can we give God one day out of seven, although it already belongs to Him? And can we consider it His, not mine? A lot of us give God our Sunday mornings, but it is specifically a day that we are meant to set aside from. So what does this mean practically? Well, what this means is that the entire day in some way should look categorically different from the other days. Your Sundays after church, if you are a Christian, it should look different from another day where you don't have work. It should be about God. And you know, I've heard this a lot. Oh, on Sundays I try to be pre- I try not to waste time. I try to do good things. I, 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 but you know what? It's, it's not about the good things or the bad things you do with your time. It's about whose time it is. Let me give you an example. Let's say I, I had money. Um, and I give money to an investment banker. And then that investment banker takes that money and treats it as though it were his own money. Now, if he does that, it really doesn't matter if he takes that money and blows it all at a casino or if he donates it to some really good cause or charity because it's not his. Therefore, that act is unethical and even criminal. Or another example, if I take my wife out on a date and I spend that entire date on my phone It doesn't really matter if I'm just looking at sports scores or if I'm on Slack doing church work. I can't say to her, no, 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 I'm I'm, I'm serving the kingdom of God. I'm doing good work. It's not my time. 
The Bible tells us work is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You were created to do work. The Bible doesn't say your work doesn't matter or worship is good, work not so much. Verse 9 says, six days you shall work and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Work is good. The Bible says do it all. Homework is good. (laughs) Could be. Studying is good. But the Bible says do all your work in six days and give the seventh to the Lord. But ultimately, what you do or don't do, it's secondary to who the day is for. Ultimately, God doesn't want your time. What is God after? He's after your heart. He wants to be in a deep and intimate relationship with you. The Sabbath shouldn't be this burden that we have to endure, but an intimate date that we can't wait to go on. But the problem is, we want that last M&M, don't we? So how is the Sabbath to be observed? First, I want to mention how we shouldn't approach the Sabbath. Uh, Two ways. The first is to turn it into this legalistic endeavor. All form, all ceremony, no genuine engagement. And that was the problem with the Jews in the Gospels. They criticized Jesus and his disciples for, for, for breaking the Sabbath, but when Jesus heals on the Sabbath or when he blesses on the Sabbath, it seems so foreign and strange to them. They're missing out on what the Sabbath is all about. But the second way not to observe the Sabbath is to kind of throw it out and disregard it completely. To say that the principles and the guidelines of the Sabbath are not that important. And when you do that, you are missing the value of the Sabbath entirely. So if that's how we should not observe Sabbath, how should Sabbath be observed? Two ways according to this passage. Rest from work and worship. The Sabbath must involve both. Verse 10, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. You know what? It really is impossible not to do any work, right? Um, I mean, we need, you know, hospital staff. We need police officers. We need emergency workers to work on the Sabbath. I can't say to my wife, you know what? I'm not going to change that diaper because I consider that work and, and today is my Sabbath. So, can't do that. But... Am I worshiping deeply? Am I engaging with God? It says here, remember the Sabbath day. To remember, it's more than just recollection. It's not just memory. The call to remember is a call to total engagement. Two weeks ago, my wife Jeannie and I, we celebrated our wedding anniversary. Imagine I turned to her on July 6th, and I, and I said to her, Wife, today is our anniversary. I'm going to go walk the dog now. And that's it. She would rightly get upset at me, and I could say, hey, I didn't forget, I remembered. It's not enough just to remember. Remember is a call 
to a total engagement with the occasion and the person. That's the most important part of the Sabbath. So how? How do we engage with God? Well, we come together and worship like we are doing right now. We engage with Him. We worship Him. We remember Him. And in the command, what are we told to remember about God? First, the Sabbath points us back to creation. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. You ever think about this? Where do we get the concept of a week from? I mean, we all know where a day comes from, right? It takes 24 hours for the earth to complete a rotation. We know where a month comes from. It, it indicates the, the lunar cycle, the cycle of the moon. And a year, we know where that comes from. A year happens because the earth's revolution around the sun takes 365 days. But a week is arbitrary. The only reason why we have grouped days into a week, it's because of Genesis. It's because God made the world and he rested in seven days. The Sabbath, it reminds us who has created the world and who governs the world. I know there's a lot of fear that we have that if we do rest, we're going to fall behind. We're not going to advance or succeed in this world. Let's say you had an entry-level position in this huge company. What would help you advance in your career in the company more? Option A, you work feverishly. You work and work and work. You make work everything. Option B, you work hard, but you meet with the founder of the company regularly. You spend time with him. You get his insights on the daily operations, on the concept, on the mission, the vision of the company. You learn directly from the founder. Which would help you succeed in that company more? Do you want to succeed in life? Do you want to advance in life? You have access to the founder of life, to the creator. You meet with him regularly. You get his insights on how to live, on how to succeed. You will flourish in life the more time you spend with the creator of life. That is the beauty of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath also sets God's people apart from the rest of the world. When the other nations saw Israel, the Sabbath was a clear sign. Whoa, something's different about them. They're not just about the bottom, the bottom line. They're not just about the prophet. They're living for something more. The priorities, the values are different. Giving up work, resting in God, it will make you a better worker because you'll know why you're working and you're trusting in God rather than turning work into an idol. And you know what? Ultimately, 
the more time you spend with God, the more you rest in Him, you'll be okay if you don't get that promotion or if you lose that job or if you don't get the score you want on this exam. There's something better that you're living for. There's something more meaningful. And this leads me to my last point. Why? Why the fourth commandment? Why is it so important in the Bible? Why? What was the point of the Sabbath? Did you know that the first thing that God ever blesses in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, it's not man, it's not creation. The first thing God ever blesses is a day, the seventh day. And the first command that God ever gives to Israel in the wilderness, it's not the Ten Commandments. It is about observing the Sabbath. And did you also know that the penalty for breaking the Sabbath in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, was death? Now, this means that either God is really, really petty, or the Sabbath is really, really important. Why? In Matthew 12, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking on the Sabbath, and they're walking through a field. And the disciples, they get hungry, so they pick the grain, and they eat it. And, and some Pharisees, they see this, and they go, whoa, 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 that's unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus' answer to them, it is astounding. Jesus looks at them, and he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, break the Sabbath. Break it. I own it. It's about me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. If you look at the Ten Commandments that are listed in Deuteronomy 5, it's, they're listed in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, the Fourth Commandment, it's pretty much the same in Exodus and Deuteronomy, except Deuteronomy adds a little section and here's what it says in Deuteronomy 5.15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What this tells us is this. Sabbath points us to creation, but it also points us to redemption. God's plan from the very beginning was that his people would enjoy this eternal Sabbath rest. But because of sin, people needed to be redeemed. So Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath because he's the one who works so that his people can rest. He lives the life that we should have lived. He dies the death that we should have died. He has done it, and He has done it all. So why is the Old Testament, the law of Moses, so strict when it came to prohibiting work on the Sabbath? In the book of Numbers, a man is picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and he's put to death for it. Why? Well, the reason is this. The Sabbath is foreshadowing the work of Jesus in redemption. And it forbids work because it forbids any of us working toward our salvation. Jesus has to do it 
all. We cannot even add one stick to our salvation. There's no part in the work of Jesus in our redemption where we can look at that and say, oh yeah, that, that, I did that. that. That was me. No. The only way, the Bible says, you can be saved and you can enter into this eternal Sabbath rest, it's not by working. It is by resting and receiving. That's why the Old Testament said in no uncertain terms, you cannot work on the Sabbath because your Sabbath rest is based entirely on the work of another. Entirely based on someone else's performance, not yours. You rest. That's why it's even commanded. Don't work. Don't try to add to your salvation. And this is also the reason why we practice Sabbath rest on Sunday. And we call it the Lord's Day because God created the world in the beginning, but Jesus came to redeem and recreate the world after the fall. So we don't look back to Exodus for our salvation. We look to the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. You know, while Jesus is dying, he cries out, it is finished. What is finished? Work. The work of the Father, the work of God in our salvation, it's done. He's done it all. All we do is rest and believe and receive. And that's why we now celebrate the Lord's Day on the beginning of the week. Because the people of God in the Old Testament, they looked forward to the coming Messiah at the end of the week. But for us, we look backward to the risen Christ at the beginning of the week. You know what? The Sabbath is also not just about you. It's not about your personal communion with God. Verse 10, on it, on the Sabbath, you shall not work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. It says you're it's not just you not working, it's your son, it's your daughter, it's your servant, it's your livestock, it's a stranger. See, the blessings of the Sabbath, they come to you, but they reach out to those around you, to everyone, even the livestock, even the stranger. And that is why coming to church and worshiping with others is a crucial part of observing the Lord's day. You know, the trend these days is for churches to live stream their worship services. Oh, you can't make it to church? Join us on Facebook Live, where from the convenience of your own home, you can worship God. You know what that's doing? That's taking that last M&M. That's you having your day and not giving God his. So I encourage you to trust in God enough to not work when you can help it. To deliberately, intentionally rest one day a week and think of it as a good thing, as a grace to you, as a blessing, not a restriction. We don't do this because we have to. We do it because we get to. Spend time throughout the day, not just at church, thinking about God. Read your Bible. Pray. 
Spend time encouraging other believers. But let's make it different from any other ordinary day. You know, my sister-in-law and her family, they're visiting us uh, this week from Chicago. And they visited us the first, for the first time last year, a year ago. And it was their first time in New York City. So I, I, I wanted to show them kind of the landmarks. So we took them to Central Park. We went to Times Square. We went to Rockefeller Center, the Freedom Tower, the Oculus, all of the, the, the important sites, the basic touristy spots. And they visited Exilic too. They, they worshipped together with us. And it's really funny because... I was trying to show them all the, the, the big New York City landmarks. Do you know what the one that they didn't get to see was? The Empire State Building. They came to Exilic and they were literally in the shadow of the Empire State Building. And you can argue that that is probably one of the most iconic New York City landmarks, but we missed it simply because we didn't look up. We didn't look up. We were so preoccupied with the busyness of the streets that we didn't look up to the skies. We missed greatness because we were looking for parking. Do we treat the Sabbath that way? I think we're either oblivious to the importance of the Sabbath or we're too preoccupied with the other things that we often do not look up even though we're right there. We're, we can come to church. We can sing the songs. We can hear the sermon and still not look up and miss beauty, glory, greatness. There's a passage in, on page one of your bulletin from Isaiah 58. It says this, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. This passage says, the Sabbath is a delight. If you honor the Lord's day, you will ride in triumph on the heights. It's saying you're going to soar through the skies. Do you want your soul to feast? Then look up, rest, worship. I'll close with this. In Genesis 1 and 2, when God creates the world, for the first six days, it says there was evening and there was morning to kind of close out the day. So it says there was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. There was evening, there was morning the third day. And it goes on. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, there's no mention of evening. Because God's plan from the very beginning was for his people to enter into an eternal Sabbath rest that would never end. And the Bible tells us that that day is already here in Christ and it is coming to us. And on that day, there will be no more sin, there will be no more death, no more pain, 
No more suffering, loneliness, shame, grief, fear. God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That day is coming. And until that day comes, we remember the Sabbath every week. And in doing so, we look forward to the glorious, glorious, eternal Sabbath that awaits. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that you have worked. And in your work, we find rest. I pray that we would honor your Sabbath and that we would find rest for our souls, that we would find it a delight, that we would ride in triumph on the heights, that our souls would feast, and that you would change us as we rest in you. Bless us. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.